there. Welcome to another life-transforming sermon with Dr. Dazwit Achero. We were looking at the capacity of God's presence. And we saw how God's presence empowers us to prosper. And the first thing that the presence of God does to make us prosper is by transforming our minds. Somebody say, my mind needs transformation. So look at your neighbor and tell them, your mind needs transformation. So the presence of God transforms our minds. And when your mind is transformed, your position to prosper. Secondly, how does the presence of God empower us to prosper? The presence of God triumphs over our enemies. The presence of God triumphs over our enemies. That's the second way the presence of God empowers us to be able to prosper. The presence of God in your life triumphs over the enemy. A story is told of a reporter who was interviewing a man on his 100th birthday, and he asked him, what are you most proud of? And the old man answered and said, I don't have an enemy in the world. That's quite an achievement, said the reporter. How did you do it, he asked. The old man cleared his throat and said, I have outlived every last one of them. It was supposed to be a joke. Only three people laughed. Anyway, ask your neighbor. You don't know jokes. But, but ladies and gentlemen, wouldn't that be wonderful for all of us to outsmart our enemies, outmaneuver our enemies, or even outlive our enemies? It will be such a blessing. If you come to a place where you have outlived every last enemy of yours. But this is the thing. Um, normally it is not the case. Because all of us, all of us, we tend to contend with enemies our entire life. I mean, you try to get, be- to, 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 to get along with everybody else. You try your best to get along with everybody else, your brothers, your sisters, your colleagues, your neighbors, but some people just won't cooperate. Misunderstandings, miscommunications, and bad blood somehow crops up in our relationships. And sometimes you can even lie low like a flat envelope, but you will still create enemies. Sometimes you can be so courteous, you try your best to be so kind to people, but in the process, you still, you know, uh, get enemies. There's somebody who says that friends come and go, and few remain loyal to you, but enemies will accumulate every day, especially as you climb the ladder of success. When you become successful, you will attract a lot of enemies. In fact, I've realized when you are an entity, nobody knows you, you're not famous, I mean, you don't really have a lot of things that can reveal that you're doing very well, you don't tend to have some many enemies in your life. But the moment you start showing signs of success, you're not even successful, you're showing signs. Look at your neighbor, do you see signs? Are there signs around you? 
Oh, Lord. If your neighbor is quiet, then things are really bad. Are, are there signs of success around you when you look at your neighbor? Yeah, so sometimes when you just show signs of success, you know, that's when hell breaks loose. And, and, and people turn against you. Your friends will turn against you. Your brothers will turn against you. Your sisters will turn against you. Your colleagues at the place of work, they will turn against you. I, I, I remember very well in the past when I started this church, I mean, we were in a very small area, you know, in Embakasi, a very ugly building, and, and nobody said anything about us. In fact, some people used to prophesy and say, a church that has been started in a bar, it will never grow. It will die. They dismissed us. One person told me, why are you going to start a church where places, in a place where churches don't grow? I mean, nobody took us seriously. Even the owner who was giving us that place, he never took me seriously. Because I remember when I told him I want the place, he asked me, Utawezana? Will you be able to manage, you know, this place, the rent of this place? Do you know this place is very big? So nobody took us very, very seriously. But when the church started flexing its muscle, the church started growing, and we were taking over that entire area on Sundays, we started having enemies. One day I remember I came and I found that the places where, the place where we used to park cars had been fenced off. And I was surprised. I mean, before we came, you know, that place was open. Everybody was parking their car there. I mean, there was a bar there, and drunkards were parking their cars there. And then when we came and the church was growing, that guy decided that we're not going to park our cars there. So when I looked for him, he came and told me, I want you to start paying. I told him, boss, before I came, everybody was parking their cars here. How comes you are charging me? Do you know what he told me? He told me, I came here on Sunday and I saw a lot of cars. So I thought you have a lot of money. So you need to give me some. And I can give you stories upon stories upon stories. One time I received a message on my phone, a known number of somebody who was threatening me, telling me that if you continue with this church thing around here, we are going to finish you. Yeah, in my phone. I didn't even know how, I, I don't even know how he got my number. You know, threats here and there. Uh, even, even some churches became our enemies started saying that we are stealing members from their churches. I remember one lady was telling me she was in somewhere in a salon and some guys were discussing about our church and these were elders of another church. And they were saying the reason why I'm having a lot of people in our church is because I'm not teaching the right doctrine. So people are, uh, people, people are coming in droves because I'm lying to them. I'm not telling them the truth. They don't know that the truth attracts people. It's not just lies that attract people. The truth attracts people. If people can be told the truth, they will congregate in that particular place. And I had some pastors didn't like me. They spoke very badly about me. I could hear some comments and I'm like, wow, are these pastors saying this actually? So when you start showing signs of success, you'll get enemies. And then I started traveling. All hell broke loose. Some people are not happy that I was traveling. They just wanted me to remain a village preacher. So when they saw me traveling, they started feeling bad. Then I started dressing smartly. And some of them could not handle it. Some of them were even in the church. They left the church. Because one day, I, my wife came smartly dressed. And they were offended. I'm wondering, do you want us to come naked here? 
And the same people, when they go to a place of work, where they are working, their CEOs are smartly dressed. And they have no problem with that. Their supervisors are smartly dressed. They don't have an issue with that. But when they find a pastor who is smartly dressed, they become offended. Ask your neighbor, what kind of demon is that? It's a terrible demon. So every time you show success, signs of success, let me tell you, you will attract enemies. I'm sure there's somebody who has heard me mention the jet, and they are not very comfortable. <laughs> anyway, let's just keep preaching this word. They are like, you see now, they are now talking about it. You see, you see, you see now. You see. I've been telling you guys this thing. You see, anytime you begin to rise, those who are somewhere here in the middle will fight you. People don't throw stones to a tree that doesn't have fruits. When they see fruits, they will start throwing trees. They will, they will start throwing stones towards that tree. So when you show signs of success, you are doing well, you are growing, you are flourishing, you are shining, your children are moved from polling stations to group of schools. Talk to me, somebody. Even your, even your jealous of you. Your own sisters will start being jealous of you. And they will start, you know, murmuring. You will start hearing things, even in the family meetings. When you come, they say, you're, 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 <laughs> you're showing off. You're showing off. So, every time you start making it, and I pray that may you make it. By the way, let me tell you, I don't mind enemies when I'm making me. I, I, I don't mind. I, I, I don't mind enemies who are attracted to my success. I don't mind. In fact, it would be very bad if you have enemies and you have nothing. <laughs> the reason why you don't have enemies is because, anyway, may, may you have something. Am I talking to somebody in this house? May you have something that will attract jealousy and envy from people. And look, if God's hand is upon you, no weapon. If the presence of God is with you, no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. You are covered in the name of Jesus. Shout a louder amen in this house. Give somebody a high five and tell them, I'm covered. My God, I feel like preaching in this house. I am covered. Hate all you want to hate. Backbite me at Java, but I am covered by the presence of God. No weapon formed against me shall be able to. Because the blessings of the Lord maketh rich and add no sorrow. Can we go a little bit deeper? Sit down, let's just build this thing. Enemies are in different levels. Number one is those who are above you. They can become your enemies. The ones who wield authority over your life can also rule you with an iron fist. They use their power, they use their machinery to frustrate and limit your progress. If you doubt me, ask the current president. Sometimes the people above you can make your life difficult. They can put bottlenecks 
when especially they see you are showing signs of success. Some of you have been in situations when you were in school, some teachers didn't just like you. And that teacher who didn't like you just made sure that you failed the exam. I mean, you, 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 you attended all their classes, but you still failed. It's because the teacher didn't just like you. Didn't like your name. Didn't like your face. Didn't like your tribe. Didn't like where your, your handwriting. Didn't like anything about you. And you might be shocked. Maybe they realized that you come from a very rich home. Your father is rich. During Parents' Day, he sees the way your father comes. With a big vehicle. Tell your neighbor, it's not my problem that my father is rich. And they're not happy. Please, I told you, stop hating rich people. Anything you hate, you will never attract. Only three have clapped and said amen. The rest of you are still struggling. Let me say it again. Anything you hate, you will never attract it. So those above you can also become your enemies. You can just find somebody who has power, has authority, has machinery. He's just against you. He wants to take you out. That's why you have to pray for the presence of God. Can we move quickly? Number two is your peers. The people that you are at the same level with. That's another level where we have a lot of enemies. You grew up together. You are in the same age bracket. You went to the same high school the same year. Graduated same year. So you are within the same age bracket. They're your contemporaries. Sometimes they can also become your enemies. Why? It's because all of us face what we call peer pressure. All of us have peer pressure. Peer pressure is not just for teenagers. Peer pressure is for all of us. If you meet somebody that you are with or you belong to the same age group and they are ahead of you in a way, if you are not comfortable in your skin, you will feel something. Isn't it true? Or you meet somebody in class, you used to beat that guy in class. You, you are number one, the guy was number one from behind. And now he's driving a big car and you are driving a small car. If you are not comfortable in your skin, something will rise within you. You will feel some pressure, you know, coming your way. And if you are not careful, that pressure can turn into hatred. And that person can become an enemy to you. We have a lot of people who started as friends. They loved each other. They were at the same level. Friends, peers, friends started together. They were encouraging one another. They were praying together. They were supporting each other. And then one of them showed signs of making it. Then started rising. Got a good job. Got married. Lived in a big house. If this friend of this person is not comfortable in his own skin, he become an enemy to this person. That's why you find some, some of your friends become your bitter rivals. Some of your peers become your bitter enemies. And the things they say about you, you can't even believe. And you're like, but we used to pray together. We used to fast together. We used to do things together. What changed? And, and when you talk to them, you can see that there is bitterness in their hearts. They are not happy that you have left them. At this level, and you have gone to a higher level, peers can also become your enemies. How many remember such friends? Or oh, you don't have such friends? Do you have such friends? 
They, they say very nasty things about you. Now, Genesis chapter 4 talks about two guys who were in the same, you know, um, edge bracket. That is Abel and Cain. The Bible says in, in Genesis chapter 4 verse 3 to 5, and in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Then verse 8, the Bible says, Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and he killed him. He killed his own brother. Simply because he noticed that God had favored his brother more than him. And so he could not handle it. As long as they were at the same level, Cain was okay. But when Abel started showing signs of success, Cain was angry. And he decided to take out his brother. You know, there are people, as long as you're at the same level, they are fine with you. The moment you rise, you become an enemy. And such people are dangerous because they can go at any length to eliminate you. That's why you are seeing Cain decided to eliminate who? Abel. Because he felt, how comes he's being favored and I am not being favored? How comes he's, we, we, we've done the same thing. All of us, or both of us have sacrificed. Both of us have appeared before God. Both of us have worshipped. How comes his worship has received so much attention from God more than my worship. There must be something that is happening here that I don't like. And so for me to stop this madness, I have to eliminate my brother. Your peers can also be your enemies. Oh Lord, have mercy. Haven't you had brothers killing each other? Haven't you had, you know, friends killing each other? Haven't you even had spouses killing each other? Oh yeah, they kill each other. And then number three, enemies also are in this level, those who are beneath you. Those who have not reached where you are. Those who are beneath you. They have not achieved your level of success. They are down there. Yeah? They say, Sisi, what wachini? Do we have what wachini here in this service? Yeah? Sisi wanyonge. We are the ones suffering. Eh? When, when, when the bulls are fighting up there, we are the ones down here who are suffering. <laughs> the commoners, the hustlers, the ordinary people, those, those are the ones who are beneath you. They, 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 they have not reached or achieved your level of success. They can also become your enemies. They look up there and see what you're doing, how successful you are, and they're not happy. They are mad. That's why many of them, they don't even know how to interpret success. When they look at it, they say, this one is a drug dealer. How can you drive such a big car in this economy? This economy. Yeah? This is wash, wash. That's how they interpret success. They don't understand any other way of explaining success. Because they are down there. And they will use any type of name to try and water down your success. They are down there. And we have many of those people around us. Just make it a little bit, and you'll be surprised what they will say. 
Some of you don't even understand. Let me tell you, if you knew what your caretaker thinks about you, you'll be so surprised. You'll be so surprised. The things he says, how you pretend to be a Christian, you'll be so surprised. The people who are down there, the things they say is something else. When they see all these big cars, when they see people prospering, they see you, you have, you have, you have posted a picture. You are in a five-star hotel and you are eating. The things they say about you, you'll be so surprised. Huh? When they see a pastor smartly dressed, the things they say, you'll be so surprised. People who are beneath you can be very hateful. You understand what I'm saying? Some of you think your house manager thinks well of you. <laughs> the things that go on in her mind, you'll be so surprised. Yeah, some of them are even, they're even thinking they can, they can treat your husband in a better way. Than you. Because they think you don't deserve it. Yeah, they just say, Uliangukia. <laughs> oh, people are quiet today. I'm saying the truth. We have enemies. When you become a boss, don't be naive. Not every worker there is happy with you. When you start a company and you employ people, don't be naive. Not everybody you have employed is happy. As they come to clean your table, wash your office, let me tell you, some of them, their hearts are rotten. They are not happy. As they are cleaning, they are just saying, look. This is what we're doing. Look at what we are doing. Yeah? And then a guy would just come and sit on that chair and ask for tea, ask for coffee, ask for a newspaper. And then when he doesn't like that, he sends me again to make another cup of tea. Yeah? We are the ones on the ground. We are the ones who know what is going on here. Eh? And we are the ones who are working hard. We are the ones who are bringing in the money here. Without us, he could not have even bought this table. Tell you, neighbor, it's a lie. You know, David, as one person, he was worth 10,000 men. One person, worth 10,000 men. You, how many men are you worth? Please ask your neighbor, how many men are you <laughs> that means if you eliminate David, it's like you have eliminated 10,000 people. That's why they say, David, you will not fight. Stay here. We'll fight for you. You being alive is better for all of us. You understand what I'm saying? There are some people who are above you. They are the ones who are feeding you. You should pray that they stay alive. You should pray that they prosper more. You should even pray that they have more money because the more money they have, something will trickle down to you. Oh. Look, let me give you an example. Can I give you an example? Oh, hallelujah. If I became a president today, Let me tell you, many of you, your lives will change. 
Yeah, you'll be coming to my office and say, do you remember me? Do you remember me? The one who sat on the right side. Do you remember me? I was always there. Yeah. Even the crusade, I was there. Do you remember me? Your lives will change. So sometimes it is even better for the leader who is above you to go higher, to be more blessed, to increase, so that as he's eating on the table, some crumbs. Talk to me, somebody. I say some, some crumbs will fall and you will catch some. Can I hear an amen in this house? So those beneath can also be like that. Let me show you a story here, very powerful. So Exodus chapter 2, Moses is a prince. He took a walk. He's a prince right now. Remember, he's a Hebrew. But now he's a prince. He has been raised in Pharaoh's house. And one day he woke up and he felt like, ah, let me just take a walk and see what is happening with my brothers and my sisters. Because as the mother was raising him, the mother told him, look, you're not an Egyptian. You're a Hebrew. And so he took a walk to see how his people were doing. Then while he's out there, he sees an Egyptian beating and harassing a Hebrew. What did Moses do? He pounced on the Egyptian, killed him, and buried him immediately. It was one of the fastest burial ceremonies a man of God has ever conducted. No time to weep and to mourn. No, no mashakaya. Nothing like that. No WhatsApp groups to raise monies. Dead, buried, forgotten. Then the second day, Moses takes another walk to see how his people are doing. And this time, he finds two Hebrews are fighting each other. And he's a bit confused. Because he's wondering, these people are brothers. They're not supposed to be doing this. They're not supposed to be fighting. They're related to one another. They have the same lineage. And so he went and started talking to them, telling them, look, you should not do this. And he spoke to the one who was on the wrong. And he told the one who was on the wrong, you can't do this. Why are you striking your companion? Then the one who was on the wrong, he said, uh-huh, Moses. Exodus chapter 2, he said, who made you a prince? Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Do you know what he was saying? I'm not even happy that you are a leader. Who made you a leader over us? Who appointed you? Who anointed you? Who made you a prince so that you may come, you know, and sort out our issues? But look, Moses was born a leader. The reason why Moses was born was to come and lead the children of Israel out of bondage. So his assignment was by birth. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm talking about? But this guy was not happy because they knew this Moses, this Moses is a half-caste. You know there are people when you look at them, you can just tell this one is a half-caste. He's behaving like an Egyptian, but who you knew it to? Because he knew Moses had a soft spot for the Hebrews when Moses killed the Egyptian. So he knew that Moses is on our side. Do you understand what I'm saying? But he was having a problem, him being a prince and a judge. And that's why he told him, who made you a leader over us? He was not very happy that this guy was a leader or rather a prince in Egypt. And so you can see that sometimes the people who are under you cannot be very happy at your promotion. 
When you're elevated, they're not happy. I told you a story. One time, I was made a praise and worship leader, and three quarters of the team resigned. They say, I cannot lead them. Me. anointed. They say, you, you cannot lead us. They, they rejected me. Yes, and they resigned. Oh, no. Three quarters of the team resigned. I had to rebuild the team from the ground again, from the scratch. So sometimes people who are under you can become your enemies. Now, why am I sharing this with you? I wish I had time. I'm sharing this with you to show you that we are surrounded with enemies. And, and, and these enemies will, will try and sabotage your success. They, they will fight you left, right, and center. I mean, they will be after you. They will be after your success. They will try to see, what can I do? Or what can we do to make this man calm down? Because they are not happy you have left them. They are not happy you are up there. They are not happy you are doing very well. And they will look for ways to try and bring you down. And that's why you, may, you need the presence of God. Because let me tell you, there are wars you can't even fight with your own physical strength. You, you need the presence of God. There are people you can't fight. You don't have the machinery. The people who are above you, you don't have the machinery. You don't have the, uh, the capacity to be able to fight them. But if you have the presence of God, then God is going to fight for you. Can I get an amen? amen. God is going to stand in his place on your behalf and fight for you and vindicate you when all these enemies want to bring you down. I prophesy, as the presence of God comes upon your life, no matter the enemy you're facing, his plan over your life will not succeed. Their plans over your life will not succeed in the name of Jesus. May the presence of God protect you. May the presence of God fight for you. May the presence of God envelop your life. May God secure your business, your company, your ministry, your family, your children, your marriage, in the name of Jesus. Shout a louder amen. Shout a Holy Ghost amen. Now let me show you those who triumphed with God's presence. The first one is David. He came to the valley of Elah and there was a stalemate. One side we had the Philistine army and the other side we had the uh, Israelites army. And nobody was willing to fight, you know, the Philistines because there was a giant there by the name Goliath. Now, this event was a very, very strategic event in the life of David. God had set up this event to propel David into national prominence. He wanted to use this situation to make David famous and also to prepare him for the palace. And so what happened when David came here? There are two things that I want us to see here. He faced two enemies. The first enemy was his brother Eliab. Eliab said in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 28. Now Eliab, his elder brother, had when he spoke to the man, because David was asking, what shall be done to the man who kills this giant? And Eliab was not very amused by what David was saying. And Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. His own brother, elder brother, was not happy that David was at this particular place. He didn't want him there. And he started accusing him of insolence. Told him, I know why you're here. You've just come to see what is happening so that you can laugh at us. You are not a genuine brother. 
You are not even supposed to be here in the first place. And remember, it is the father who sent David to bring lunch to his brothers. They really need him and they don't know. They need lunch, first of all, because <laughs> there was no food in the valley of, of Elah. Now, the second enemy that David had to face is Goliath. You see, David did not answer Eliab because David knew he had a big fish to fry, isn't it? And that was Goliath. So he didn't answer him. Now, David was greatly disadvantaged by the time he was going to face Goliath. He had a tiny body frame and Goliath was a giant. Secondly, his weapons were unorthodox and Goliath was a trained soldier. All that David had was a sling and a couple of stones. But Goliath was a trained soldier. He even had an assistant who carried his massive shield. He went before him. So Goliath was well equipped for battle. But David, ladies and gentlemen, relied on one thing. Eliab was against him. Saul was not very amused that David wants to fight. Goliath even started mocking him and laughing at him. Saying, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? So he had all these factors that were working against him. His body was small. He could not fight physically with Goliath. But David relied on one thing, and that is the presence of God. David took time when he stood before Saul to recount his brush with danger when the lion and the bear attacked the sheep. And he started narrating to King Saul how the presence of God was with him. How God protected him. How God covered him when the lion looked like was going to take one of his sheep away. And in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 37, this is what David says. He says, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. David knew it was not his skill. It was not his power. It was not his dexterity that gave him victory over the lion and the bear. He knew it was the presence of God. And he said the same same presence that was with me in the wilderness is the same same presence that is with me right now. And if God gave me victory then, he's going to give me victory right now. It is not the size of your enemy that determines the outcome of the battle. It is who is with you that determines the outcome of the battle. If the presence of God is with you, no matter the size of your enemy, you are going to overcome in the name of Jesus. Can I get a louder amen? amen. Give somebody a high five and tell them you shall overcome because of the presence of God. Wow. And David did not stop there. Look at what he says. He even attributes his imminent victory to the presence of God. Look at what he says in verse 45 to verse 47. David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. You, you are coming with natural weapons, but I'm coming with the presence of God. You're coming with your spear, you're coming with your javelin, you're coming with your sword. Those are natural weapons, but I have a spiritual invisible weapon, which is the presence of God. I have tried it in the wilderness and it worked. And I know that even today, it is going to work. Wow, he relied on the presence of God. Because he knew, let me tell you, he knew 
that if the presence of God was not with him, he was going to become minced meat in front of Goliath. Then he continues to say, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. You see, when you know the presence of God is with you, you start saying some things. Some things that sound very ridiculous. Look, you're looking at a giant up there and you're telling that giant, I will strike your head. You are down here. The giant is up there. I will strike your head. I will chop it off and I will feed your flesh to the birds of the air. I mean, you can't say that if you're not assured of the presence of God. He knew that God was with him. And that's why he says, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. Hallelujah. And I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of, I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all his assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into my hands. When you understand the power of God's presence, then you understand that some of the wars you are engaged in, they belong to the Lord. It's not, it's not, it's not your sword that will give you victory. It's not your javelin that will give you victory. It's not your connections that will give you victory. It is the presence of God that will give you victory. Can I get an amen in this house? I recommend God's presence in your life. I don't know where you are at. Some people here are being fought at the place of work. You are being fought where you are staying. You are being fought in your family circles. But I recommend the presence of God. When the presence of God is with you, you will be a winner in the name of Jesus. You don't need to be loud. You don't need to use a javelin. You don't need to use a sword. But you just need to rely on God's presence like David. As you rely on God's presence like David, God will show up in that battlefield and God is going to vindicate you in the name of Jesus. Can I hear an amen in this house? My goodness, let me give you number two. Number two is Elisha. He walked with the presence of God and the presence of God gave him victory. In 2 Kings chapter 6, there was the king of Syria who had planned an attack, you know, against the king of Israel. There are two kings here. The king of Syria who had planned an attack, you know, on the king of Israel. And Elisha lived in Israel. And so Elisha, because he was a prophet and he was such, such a sharp prophet, he could, he, he could hear and he could see what the king of Syria is planning against the king of Israel. What a prophet. And so he went to the king of Israel and he told the king of Israel, look, this is what is going to happen. The king of Syria is planning to come and attack you and these are his strategy, these are his weapons, these are his soldiers and he's going to attack you from this point. Please prepare yourself and be ready so that you outsmart him. And he was not in Syria. He was in Israel. And so twice he was, he was able to thwart the plans of the king of Syria. And the king of Syria was mad. He said, how can this happen? And then he thought that one of the servants in Syria was an informer. But one servant stood up and he said, king, nobody here is against you. I want to tell you how the king of Israel knows everything we are planning here. There is a prophet. <laughs> There is a prophet in Israel 
by the name Elisha. Do you know what the servant told the king? He told the king of Syria, Elisha the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. Father, give me that gift. <laughs> Lord, give me that gift. I need to hear what these members of mine are doing in the bedroom. <laughs> I'm joking. But if you knew that, you'd be scared, isn't it? Can you imagine anybody who hears what you are doing in your bedroom? That's a sharp prophet. Very discerning prophet. He told him, look, it's not even just about the battle. This prophet is so sharp that when you're in the bedroom and you're discussing with your wife, he can actually hear what you're talking about. That's dangerous. You people who discuss pastors. One time I'll meet you and I say, what were you saying in your bedroom about me with your husband? Mercy Lord. Ah, Pastor Zeph is scared. <laughs> but the king of Syria, can we finish the story? The king of Syria did something very insane. I mean, even after being told that this prophet is able to hear what you're talking about, you know, in the bedroom, he still sent an army to go and capture prophet Elisha. Now he has shifted his focus from the king of Israel. Now he's targeting prophet Elisha. And so he sent an army to go and surround him. Let's pick up the story in verse 13 of 2 Kings chapter 6. It's my last scripture and then we'll pray. 2 Kings chapter 6 from verse 13. Are we there? Let's read together. And so he said, go and see where he is. He's talking about who? Elisha. Go and see where he is that I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, surely he is in Dothan. Look, if somebody knows what you're doing in the bedroom, I think you should leave him alone. My advice to the king of Syria, leave Elisha alone. Because if he can hear what you're talking about in the bedroom, you have no business trying to capture him. Because even as you're planning to capture him, Tell you, but some people never learn. Never learn. They are too slow. They never learn. Anyway, verse 14. Let's see what happened. Give me a scripture quickly. Therefore, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. Verse 15. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas! My master, what shall we do? What shall we do? What shall we do? You pretend you don't know that song. <laughs> Next verse, quickly. So he answered. Look at what Elisha is telling the servant who is fretting. He's scared. He can see all these horses and chariots surrounding the city. He came out and, they, and he knew that these guys are after his servant or his master, Elisha. And his, his master, Elisha, answered the servant and he said, do not be, do not be, do not fear. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. What a profound statement. That means what you can see cannot be compared to what you cannot see. You see, you cannot see the presence of God, but it's so real. You, you, you can't see the presence of God with your naked eye. But the presence of God is so real. 
And the prophet is telling the servant, those who are for us are more than those who are against us. Can I tell somebody here, those who are for you are more than those who are against you. I know there are people above you who hate you. I know some peers hate you. I know there are people who are under you who hate you. But let me tell you, the presence of God around your life is the, is the majority. Shout a louder, amen. Oh, somebody ought to get excited right about there. Now, look at the next verse. Give me the next verse. And Elisha prayed. And he said, Lord. Look, the man is so confident. He's not even worried. He said, Lord, I pray. Just open his eyes. That he may see what I am seeing. Huh? His, his vision is limited. He's just seeing hoses and chariots surrounding us. But there's another dimension. There's another level of seeing. That if you can see at that particular level, you will stop being worried about your enemy, worrying about your enemies. Oh, my boss is against me. Oh, my supervisor is against me. Oh, my peers now, they don't want to be with me. They don't call me anymore. Let me tell you, there's a dimension. If God opens your eyes, you will stop being worried. Can I get a hallelujah in this house? Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the same mountain was full of hoses and chariots of fire all around. Please, if you miss this, you miss the entire message. When the king of Syria sent horses and chariots, he sent horses and chariots to surround the city. But when God released his presence, he sent horses and chariots to surround who? Oh, you're now getting... Oh, oh you didn't get it. Did, did you get it? That's how powerful the presence of God is. You can be in a hostile environment, surrounded by enemies, but when God releases his presence, no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. They can be around the city, but there is another dimension that when God, if God opens your eyes, you will see his houses, his chariots, not around the city, but around, around you. Give somebody a five and tell them I am covered. I don't know who I'm preaching to in this house, but I declare horses around you. I declare chariots around you. I declare the presence of the Lord around you. No matter the houses in the city, no matter the chariots in the city, you are surrounded. I say you are surrounded. Shout yes. Horses and chariots around who? Elijah. Let's finish the text. You can stand to your feet. My time is up. Let's, after this, we'll go to the crusade. So when the Syrians came down, when, when, when the Syrians came down to him, look at these foolish guys. Already, <laughs> already there is there is fortification around Elijah. Already there is a wall of protection around Elisha. 
Oh, there's such a powerful presence around Elisha. And these guys still have the audacity to come against him. How stupid can people be? So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha just made a prayer to the Lord. And he said, strike these people, I pray, with blindness. They came looking for me, but just strike them with blindness. That's how powerful the presence of God is. And the Bible says, and, 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 and he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. You see, the horses and the chariots that were surrounding the city were under the command of the king of Syria. But the horses and the chariots that were surrounding Elisha were under his command. A man of God. And whatever he said, it came to pass at that particular moment. And those guys became blind. Now, Elisha said to them, this is not the way. Now, the person they came to capture is now so... <laughs> Some of you are not getting what I'm preaching today. Are, are you with me here? The, the very person they came to capture is now having a conversation with them. So, now, Elisha said to them, this... This is not the way. Nor is this the city. They say, follow me. And I will bring you to the man <laughs> whom you seek. But he led them. <laughs> they couldn't recognize him. They couldn't recognize his voice. They were blind and he took them to another city because of the presence of God. I release that presence. I release the presence of God over your life. May you walk with this presence. May you operate under this presence. May you move with this presence. May your enemies be confounded. May your enemies be defeated. Shout aloud, yeah. Shout a Holy Ghost, yeah. Shout aloud, yeah. Lift your hands. Father, I release your presence upon your people this morning. May they be filled with your presence everywhere they go, no matter what they face, no matter what they are going through. May your presence defend them. May your presence fight for them. May your presence confound their enemies in the name of Jesus. Father, some of them are in an intense warfare. They are being attacked. They are being fought from above. They are being attacked by their peers. They are being attacked by their juniors. But today I prophesy, may your presence saturate their lives. May your presence envelop their lives. That wherever they go, may you fight for them. Defeat lions on their behalf. Defeat bears on their behalf. Defeat Goliath on their behalf. May they conquer. May they overcome in the name of Jesus. Clap your hands and give God a shout of victory. Yeah! Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can now get in touch with Dr. Dazutechero on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.